1: Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 131, Unvisible Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and my guest today is a writer for The Athletic, as well as So Foot and D.W. Afrique and a bunch of other publications. Today, we are talking all things France and Lyon, so welcome to the program, Sophie Serbini. She's coming to us today from Germany, but generally from Paris, where she covers all things French football. And so depending on when you are tuning in, if you're looking for just the Lyon preview, that's going to be the second half of the show. But for everybody else listening, no matter what the time, today we've got a pretty good La Grande Pagunta. Today's Le Grand Pagunta is, is French football overlooked? And it's not, as we've done in the last week's, overrated or underrated, but overlooked in a sense that the way we view it. It seems to be, and this is where we'll start here, that Sophie, League A is not seen with the same respect as the Premier League or La Liga or maybe even Bundesliga and Serie A, and that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of. Uh, I guess I'll start up from the top. Uh, do you take issue with the question, or do you find that it, it might be that people are, are overlooking it maybe in certain markets, or maybe not at all?
2: Um, I think it is overlooked, but honestly I think it's pretty normal. Uh, I will say that It is the weaker uh, league out of the five big European leagues. So I understand that it's not necessarily the league that we talk the most about. I think in certain areas we still talk about it a fair bit. I think we talk about it when we talk about the young talents that the league has because obviously it's one of the best leagues into producing talents. Um, But yeah, I think we don't really talk about the league as something that exists like we don't talk about the competition which fair enough there is not really a competition right now so I guess I understand and I think most uh, French medias will understand why we don't talk as much about French football as we talk about other leagues um, obviously oh, certain leagues have the same problem like for example the Bundesliga or the Serie A are dominated by one side mostly uh, but I feel like PSG doesn't really have the same Status as Juventus or Bayern, and so maybe that's why uh, we don't really see Liga as a real, I guess, a real league, or like or like a, an interesting and like worth following league in terms of competition.
1: Yeah, well, that point you bring up about PSG, that was that kind of leads me to my next question about is, is French football success measured by the success of PSG? And that does get you thinking about the fact that Bayern Munich and Juventus. Uh, Have gone farther, and in the past have won the Champions League, while PSG have yet to get over that hump. And there, again, there is something to be said about the amount of time that PSG, and for the reasons for which they became a major club football power.
2: Yeah, I think the problem is that PSG is a fairly recent club. I mean, it it has existed for like uh, now a a long time, but um, and they won a European Cup uh, in the '90s, but obviously it became this huge club when the Qataris arrived so it's Hmm. fairly recent and you cannot really compare in terms of status a new club like a fairly new rich club to a club like Juventus or Bayern and obviously even though they have money like you said they haven't been very far in Europe they still haven't reached the semi-finals which is crazy when you think about all the money that they spent so people don't really care which I understand because you have this huge club that has lots of money but doesn't really, have, um, doesn't really have, I guess, the results to back this politic and also doesn't really have, I don't want to say an authenticity because that, I'm not sure it means anything anymore in modern football. But yeah. when you pick Juventus, you know what they stand for or like Bayern, you know, what they stand for. And PSG is just this club that has lots of stars that are not even French for the most part. So they don't really have... People don't know what they are, I guess. So until they're not winning that big title, I'm not sure people are going to be very interested in them. You don't have that culture, I guess.
1: Yeah, they were created in 1970, and again, their history... You know, the, the the history that the global football knows about is even more recent. And uh, the, the good point about PSG is that it doesn't seem as if they are producing... I, I mean, this is the whole issue about Adrian Rabiot, and we don't need to really get into him, particularly we talked about him on the show in the past when he was linked to uh, to Barcelona. But other than him, uh, even Kylian Mbappe is not, we'll say, one of their own. He was developed by, by Monaco. And I, I think while PSG is not exporting a ton of young talent to other clubs... That's what League 1, in kind of a similar way that the Bundesliga did, uh, they're producing tons of top-level talents, though, that are succeeding now. And particularly, I think, of young center-backs going to the Bundesliga, to, to to Köln, or to to West Ham. There's a ton of young center-backs going other places and uh, and wingers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all over Europe uh, from League 1. And I think that ties into the fact that there is a... A, a tremendous amount of young talent coming out of France, I'd say even quicker than what's coming out of Spain in La Liga.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the big assets of La Liga, and actually you can see that now they're building their marketing around it, uh, around the fact that we have all these young talents. The big problem, I guess, is that La Liga has a very hard time keeping those talents. So it's yeah. great because we export French football and people see what we're capable of, which is great, like, especially, uh, like you say, like, for example, in Germany, like, lots of teams have French players right now, like Borussia Mönchengladbach and Herbe Leipzig, they have French players, and especially, like you say, in the defensive area, or like players who live very young, like Sueb Muellemtiti did, but those players, they don't stay for a very long time in France, so it's great for, I guess, them, <laughs> but it's not very good for La Ligue 1, because every year you have new faces. So it's very difficult for people to get attached to teams and to Hmm. players because you don't really see them. So for six months, you're like, oh, I love Rennes because Ousmane Dembele is so good. And then he goes away. So it's like very difficult to build, um, um, I guess, a fan culture, like especially abroad, because in France, people love their club, despite the fact that those guys are going. But like, I guess for foreign like people from different countries who might like Ligue 1, it's quite difficult because you don't really know um, which team has which player from one year to another. So it, except, except PSG, obviously, because they just have stars. But it's quite difficult. Even a team like Monaco who won La Ligue 1, they sold Kylian Mbappé the next summer. Right. Like he didn't even stay a year after they won. And they sold him to PSG, which is... So um, I guess it's it's good and it's a testament of how good uh, the system the educational system works and how we're able to produce so many talents it's good for the French national team more than it's good for Ligue 1 I guess
1: yeah that's I mean that's a good point that even within league that if you're a team like Lyon or Marseille or Monaco you're snatching up the other talent from teams smaller teams even, uh, with, with, yep. with Strasbourg this year being ninth in the table, even Lille being second at the moment, you'd expect that a bunch of their talents are either going to be sold internationally or uh, throughout Europe, or they're going to be mm-hmm. even picked up by the, the larger French teams that might not even be PSG, just Lyon know, and, and that. And you did bring up the, the World Cup as well, and I think that's a good point, that the, the French national team that won that World Cup, most of those players, and particularly the biggest of those stars, do not play in France. And that almost counts yeah. against Ligue 1 in the way that it, we can say, oh, France have these. And, and you saw all those graphics as well about France could, France could have fielded, what, three or four different starting 11s that were good enough to compete at the World Cup. But yet the majority of those players even, and if you go 40 deep, don't play in Ligue 1. And so that's kind of the question mark there. And on the other side of things, though, it seems like France is a place where on the women's side of things, players want to play that Lyon, we've seen, has dominated the women's side of late. So it's almost a, a, a there is a contradiction there between the men's side of things where everyone goes abroad and wins the World Cup and then the women's side of things where while the, the yeah. French ni- win- women's national team is pretty good, Lyon has been the, the big yeah. side.
2: Yeah, yeah Lyon is the best side in Europe, has been for many years now, won the, ch- the um, Champions League um, four times, I think, in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, so they're... I think the the main difference is that um, for women's football is so, uh, the the difference between the top teams in Europe and the, I guess, second-tier teams is so huge. And French football, and especially Lyon and PSG, have so much money compared to other women's sides outside of Germany, because Germany has a good structure also, that, of course, you have all those uh, women who are coming to those good sides. I think the difference for the men is that uh, Ligue 1 has less money than other uh, other leagues in Europe, so I guess it's a bit weird. But yeah, um, women's football is working better right now, um, even though the French national team doesn't work that much. <laughs> so yeah, it's like very it's it's completely opposite. Is that we have a very good men's national team but a weak league, and we have a weak women's side, but like a very good league. So it's like it's a bit. Yeah, it's completely opposite, uh, which is quite weird, actually, yeah.
1: Well, uh, this is the Barcelona podcast, so I would be r- remiss if I didn't speak a little bit about uh, FC Barcelona and their French connection before we wrap up Le Grand Pagunta. Mm-hmm. Uh, just listing some of Barcelona's French footballers just of the current generation. There is a previous episode of the Barcelona podcast that was made, I believe, in, in July. It was over the summer. You can check back in the archives. We talk about Eric Abidal, Terry Henry, going all the way mm-hmm. back. Every player that's ever played for, uh, for Barcelona that's come from France. But the current contingent... It was Mane Dembele, who was formed at a, a combination of a youth club in Evreux, And then Rennes was where he made his breakout. Then he goes to Dortmund. So we think of him coming from Dortmund. Umtiti was Lyon. Clement Langley was Nancy and then was formed in Sevilla. And I think people don't realize that he came from Nancy before that. And Jean-Claire Todibo, a young player, was both Toulouse, but he wasn't even at Toulouse very long. He was It was a much, much smaller club, Le Lille 93. And then on the women's side of things at the Femini, Kiara Hamraoui was, uh, she was all over the place, as we said, the power of French mm-hmm. football, St. Etienne, PSG, and Lyon is, is where she made her, her work for the majority of her career. Um, but for that Barcelona-French contingent, uh, what do you think each of those, and if you want, you can even go down the list, what do you think each of those gained from their time in French football, and how did it form them as players?
2: I guess one of the big things that we're talking about a lot in France right now, and especially about players like Ousmane Dembélé, is how um, good French football is for players who are very instinctive. You know, like Mm -hmm. uh, players who are like street—like we call them street football players—but I think it's a um, bit—it's a bit too much because Ousmane Dembélé has been playing football club for years. Like he didn't play in the streets (laughs) uh, that much, but he has still that, um, I guess, very instinctive. Uh, football and it's uh, very surprising uh, and it's very different from how now in Europe every football player especially winger all look the same they all play the same Uh, it's a criticism that is mounting for example in Germany where they think that every winger is the same and I think like in France we let them be free um, which is great for a player that, That we can be very surprising and make some very bold choices when he's on the pitch obviously that makes him maybe a little bit difficult to handle, <laughs> I've heard. But, um, yeah, um, I guess for attacking players, that's the main thing. Uh, and I guess for defensive player it's a bit the opposite. But it's like uh, we have in France a very, like, especially for the last 20 years, a big defensive culture because we won the World Cup 1998 with, like, a very defensive side. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those guys like Samuel Imtiti, they grew up, like, having a very strong, I guess, defensive mind and they're very... But they're also, like, very good football players, and I think they, like, all our defenders are built to be very strong physically, but also they know how to handle the ball, and I think that's why Umtiti chose Barcelona, uh, because I think he wanted to be in a club where he could be a strong defender, but also be a defender that plays football, like, because obviously in Barcelona you have to be a very skilled football player at every step, and um, I think um, he kept... Uh, even now that he's in, a, I guess, in a team that has the ball more than Lyon used to have, but he kept this very, I think, strong, um, yeah, strong defensive mindset and to be very concentrated. And because we have a very, I think, we're mostly a defensive uh, league, and even like people complained during the World Cup that we were a too defensive side, for example. So, I guess, um, yeah, I guess it's like. Two different. We 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 formed player in a very different way. If they're attacking players or like defensive players.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I I think I would agree that as we brought up earlier, the majority of the exported talent at the moment from league on, a lot of the times they are playing the center back position. And the compliment to French football that you have to give is that even Samuel Umtiti, who was uh, even playing for Lyon, was a, really an unknown for most Barcelona fans when he showed up, and mm. they thought he would take time to develop. But he winds up having a breakout season in his first year, and even though Langley mm-hmm. was at Sevilla, it's almost the same thing. Where Leng Le, we went, ah, I mean, it'll be, he'll be way behind Umtiti. I mean, Umtiti and PK, and it'll take some time. But Leng Le, we've seen with Umtiti's injury, has been, I mean, just as, not just as good. He's a different kind of center back. He's more, he's more forthcoming, if you will, or, or more reactive. And Umtiti is much more proactive, if you will, and and so Leng Le has wound up being we'll say better than expected and Dembele obviously is a young talent that we know is capable of becoming a world-class player but that's the Barcelona connection and uh, the, I, I think we've kind of answered about being French football overlooked so let's shift gears a little bit here to La Entre Entrevista where we're going to keep talking about Umtiti's old club in Lyon and just preview the Champions League match for uh, most of our listeners when this comes out it's going to be tomorrow uh, at least my tomorrow here in the U.S. of A. But let's start with uh, a story you actually wrote almost away from the matchup about Lyon getting, uh, getting into the weeds of Lyon. And you wrote something for The Athletic a few months ago uh, that while Barcelona fans on Twitter in particular like to be very curmudgeon and complain and, and think that woe is us about Valverde and the board and nothing is right and everything is uneven, the relationship between the fans, the manager in Bruno Hennessio, and the club – is certainly not a simple one and and it's a pretty complicated relationship is what you wrote.
2: Yeah, it's a very very complicated relationship. Um it started when Bruno Genesio was appointed uh at a repl- uh, as a replacement for Hubert Fournier in December uh, 2015 and since then it's been very complicated because Lyon fan wanted uh Lucien Favre who is currently uh, Borussia Dortmund's coach and uh, they wanted him. Uh, And they got Bruno Genesio, who is a very, uh, very own product of Lyon uh, and um, played for Lyon and also was an assistant coach uh, before for Lyon. And since then, it's been very complicated because the fans, and especially on Twitter, where Lyon's fans are very important because, like, um, football uh, Twitter, I guess, is very Lyon-oriented in France. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but, like, most Lyon fans are on Twitter. And um, and they don't like him because they think he's not ambitious enough, that he likes um, certain tactical skills, that he thinks too much about the best players, but don't think at the team as a whole, and doesn't have like a sense, um, I will say like a purpose, I guess, and that he never plays the same way from one game to another, and um, so they don't like him, and they've been very critical of him, which he doesn't like at all. He has taken it very. Personally, and then in the middle of this, Lyon's president is very important. His name is Jean-Michel Aulas. He's basically the most important man in French football. So, and he's very present; like he's very in this battle, uh, and he takes all the time. Uh, Bruno Genesio side, so the fans are not happy. So it's very difficult, and it it has taken sometimes a very very uh, personal um, take um, and. Bruno Genesio is probably going to stay next year and the fans are going crazy about this. Uh, it's, been, it's been very difficult, especially because Jean-Michel Alas loves being on Twitter. So he, he responds to fans directly, even though he's the president of the club. So it doesn't really help the situation, I guess.
1: Well, see Barca Twitter. They all think they're alone, but we are not alone. It seems like all, <laughs> yeah, no. all of social media is burning all the time. That's how it works. But you mentioned there that Sean uh, michel Alas, uh, I don't want to go too far, like, not only down the rabbit hole, but off the, what we're talking about here. But you mentioned Alas is, is one of the most powerful men, men in French football. Um, why, it, why would be the president of Lyon be one of the most powerful men?
2: Is uh, the man who made Lyon into what it is. So when Lyon won the title seven years in a row in the mm-hmm. 2000, is uh, the man who did this. So obviously, even though Lyon is not as good as it used to be, um, he's still the man who made this big club, who has the record of title in a row. So he's very important. And also, uh, since the president of PSG is not French he speaks French, but he's, he has not the perfect French. So he's mm-hmm. not always on media. Jean-Michel Alas covers, <laughs> I guess, the media area because he's, he loves the media. So. Right. And, also, yeah, so I guess that's why he's so powerful. And he's been also uh, the president of Lyon for the last 30 years. So, he's been, yeah, he's been a mainstay in French football for many years when there are so many shifts and he's the only one who's still here, I guess.
1: Yeah. No, that, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And I, that kind of You know, encapsulates the point of Barcelona not being able to overlook Lyon because while they haven't won, uh, they they might not be PSG in France, they still are a major, major club who have big ambitions and, and they believe in the same way, in France at least, that they can win the Champions League, that they're not a small minnow side that Barcelona can throw aside and it's the same way that they... Barcelona made, again, the mistake against Roma, which is based in Rome, a major European city with a major European club in in Roma. Um, But one of the things on the field, at least, which somehow we've gone this long without talking about that, uh, Lyon will be different in the second leg, and a big part of that should be Nabil Fekir. And how is Lyon a different side when Fekir is on the field, as opposed to what Barcelona fans saw in that first leg?
2: It's just completely different. Nabil Fekir is the brain and the heart of the team is that he's the best player, he's the, uh, he's the most talented, but he's also he's the guy who leads the attack, but he's also super smart, and he's the captain. And um, right now, it's very difficult for Lyon to play without him. So the results in the first leg was actually really, really good. Because Nabil Fekir is also so important in big games. He scored against Manchester City. He scored against Offenheim, He scored against Shakhtar in Ligue 1. He scored against Marseille. He scored against PSG. So his stats are not like super impressive, uh, but um, he's so important in big games because, like mentally, he 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 always believes in himself, which is so important for a side that is pretty young. Like Lyon, because Lyon plays with a lot of players from the academy. It's not like a very, like, it's not a side that has a lot of experience. So he's one of the most experienced players, even though he's only 25. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, he's, he's the best player, but he's also, most importantly, the one who can make the difference. And um, yeah, especially in big games, he's not afraid. He's never afraid. He's like super, he loves his team. And that may sound dumb, but um, it's very important in games like this. And we saw it last week with PSG who maybe liked a player who cared that much and Nabiseke cares about Lyon so much that he always wants to be the best player on the pitch and that always makes the difference, especially in important game.
1: With Fakir coming back though, does that affect the what we saw from Memphis Dubai in that against in Barcelona that first leg, we saw Dubai Floating almost in not a messy role, but basically being wherever he wanted to be across that front three and just working his yeah. way around the field. But does Fakir kind of, because he is that offensive attacking midfielder, does that then push Dubai either to, to become more of a traditional center forward or out to one of the wings?
2: Um, Normally it pushes him to the wing more. Um, But I guess that Depay still is a very free player, even when dabil Fakir is here. It's very difficult to contain him in terms of tactics he's like still most of the time like a free player we're just gonna go around and David Fikir is maybe more gonna be like in a very pure 10 position Mm -hmm.
1: and you had mentioned Fakir also scoring in those big big matches and two in particular that you brought up this year Man City PSG getting results and beating those two teams uh, in different ways but yet Lyon is a a, a pretty big margin behind PSG in the league on title race Um, I I know that all clubs are going to say, we want to win every trophy possible. You get that. But I think there are realistic goals as well coming into a season. What do you think Lyon's goals were coming into the year?
2: That's actually the biggest problem between the fans and the club, is that the fans, for example, want, uh, because Lyon still has money and still has players, and sometimes can beat PSG. So they're like, we should be at least close to PSG. Whereas Jean-Michel Olas, so Lyon's president, is more like, we should qualify for Champions League. That's our goal. Our goal is to be in the top three. I mean, at best to be top two. I mean, second team, because normally they should be the second team. Um, and to do a good result in Europe. Uh, I guess it's mostly like if we take the most uh, objective. <laughs> I, 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 I will say that Jean-Michel thinks that that's what his team Needs to do, But obviously when the fans see that Lyon can beat Manchester City or that they can beat PSG, they're like, maybe we should do more than that. And that's actually been a big problem. What is What Lyon wants to do, what they can do. It's like, it's this big thing where nobody agrees from the coach, the players, to the president, to the fan. Nobody really knows where Lyon stands right now. Is it like mm-hmm. a rival to PSG or is it just like a club with like, uh, we're second, it's not that bad compared to how much more money... PSG
1: has. Right. That, I mean, that makes sense. It does parallel, even as we talked about earlier, the other leagues in that Dortmund this year winning the, the, the Bundesliga title race at the moment, but Bayern Munich is always lurking. And in the same way that PSG would never be able to get counted out in a title race when Lyon mm-hmm. might be counted out in that same title race. Um, as we continue to talk, we've spoken about Fakir and, and Dubai already, but I, the three guys that I, I particularly want to get your thoughts on uh, I talked about this with another athletic writer and Kevin Williams when we previewed the first leg, but Tengu Ndombele in the midfield, along with Husem O'R in the midfield, and then the left-back Ferland Mendy. These three in particular, Mendy is the one that uh, uh, Kevin Williams not only spoke highly about, but hopes that Barcelona can bring as a left-back. What do you think the ceiling is for all three of those players, and what does each of them do that kind of helps this Lyon side tick?
2: Obviously, like every Lyon player, because it's one of the trademark of Lyon, is that they're... Very good, uh, very good technically. Like he might sound, uh, again, uh, simple, but like Lyon uh, forms very good player. We can do very different things. And I think that they both, they, the three of them, uh, have that in common. I think that, uh, especially because you asked about Mendy, who is linked um, to Barcelona. Um, I think he's very, he, when he moves forward, he's like, is something else, uh, and I will say that the fact that he can uh, go inside, which is quite rare for uh, um, um, defender, like he can, like on his uh, left side, and he can come inside, which is pretty rare, you see that for wingers, but you don't really see that for defender, which is uh, really good, he's also very, he's still very, um I guess a little bit like Ousmane Dembele. He doesn't have a uh, he has a very fun football to watch and he's not very still like in a in a box where he he's still very intuitive, I guess, as a player. And um sometimes people think that he makes uh, certain mistakes, which I think is more because he's young than um anything else. And uh, Bruno Genesio has said that they're trying to be uh They are trying to make them, make him into a player that can be as good offensively as defensively. Uh, But I think, like offensively in particular, he's very good. And I think for a side like Barcelona, which is like tend to have an attacking style football, um, it can be very interesting. I think it will be a good fit um, um, for a team like Barcelona. I think the three of them can do great things. Um, We'll see uh, if they go this summer. I'm not sure because Jean-Michel Ales is a very tough uh, negotiator when it comes to transfer. Um, So he could maybe say maybe one of them will leave, but not all of them. And Nabil Fekir is pretty certain to leave. So I don't count on him selling like five players. Mm -hmm. I think it will be be too much. But uh, I think it's all going to depend on the money more than anything else. To be honest, but I think they can all three of them uh, go to top clubs. I mean, most Lyon players are uh, built and formed to go to big clubs. That's one of the main things about Lyon. They know they cannot keep the guys, so they tend to form them to be very intelligent and very uh, and players that. And you said it uh, about Samuel Umtiti. We can be capable of adapting very quickly to new environments. And um, most of their players go abroad and succeed because they know how to do it. They've been trained for this. Like, they know they're not going to spend their life in Lyon. So they're ready for the next step most of the time. I mean, some of them struggle, but most of them succeed when they go abroad.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think of Fakir and the will-he-won't-he to Liverpool last year and how Alas really did stick his heels in. And it looked like it was yeah. a done deal, and then it wound up not happening. and uh, and you're right. I, I think looking back on the MTT deal, even that it looks like a bargain at this point when immediately when the figure came out and people didn't know about MTT, people said, well, I wonder if that's going to be a good transfer. But then along with Ter Stegen as well, you look at they came from these mm-hmm. we, they came from these, we'll say, bigger clubs in their home countries, but not necessarily world powers any longer and yet they wound up being, again, world-class players for Barcelona in particular. And you did kind of answer the last question I was going to ask about <laughs> what are the chances that Lyon can keep most of their important players? It sounds like, as you mentioned, they're not going to be able to keep all of them, but us is going to make sure that he still has a core for next year, and they want to make yeah. sure they can keep everything together so that they're not... I mean, let's say they do get by... Barcelona again. This is for for those depending on when you're listening to this. Let's say they do get by Barcelona, he wants to make sure that unlike Monaco of late, that it, you don't see that team completely stripped uh, of what it was, and make sure that they can continue to be a top three side in league one next year as well. Well, Sophie, that kind of uh, wraps it up. Thanks so much for talking through this with me uh, and. Uh, on my end we had we had some construction here on your end we had some uh, internet connectivity which obviously the listeners aren't going to hear about but we got through it and I thank you so much for joining the show Uh, where else can people find you I just want to give you a little time to plug yourself
2: uh, people can find me on uh, different medias. like uh, like you said, I work, I write for the Athletic on Liga, and I write also on French uh, medias like Sofut, and I write for African media, uh, German-based but African media, Dutchavelo, and I yeah, I talk about Liga and a bit of Bundesliga also. So.
1: Well, Sophie, thank you so much for giving your expertise today. And you can obviously find her, uh, the link to Twitter where she has the links to everything that she does here. That is going to be in the show notes along with where you can check out for us to subscribe to the show. And you can just tap in your app and check out the show notes for that. You can find us on social media, too. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me, and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group. Deeper dives and discussions. You can help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. We're also on YouTube now at the Barcelona Podcast, so please subscribe there and you can check us out and hit that subscription button in all of the different ways and formats that really helps us. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy